Quinn, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, Reese. How are you doing? Excellent. Well, this is the inaugural recording of our, as of yet, potentially unnamed podcast. We'll give it a name later. Yes. Uh, currently in between Psychedelic Megazord and An Awakened Life. So we will uh, cast a vote later. Um, I... Yes just open this fortune cookie and it says to be content with little is true happiness and i think that is a wonderful fortune cookie to start this uh podcast off with <clears throat> because it is closely related to the topics that i think we are going to uh, spend a lot of time diving into i absolutely agree i think that this podcast is going to be a, a wide space for deep conversations about potentially spiritual topics, things like the nature of mind and intelligence and generally just the interesting parts of being alive. So, Yes, and there are many, many interesting parts of being alive. And I think a lot of people just kind of take life for granted and choose to not focus on cool things. Rather, they focus on whatever thoughts are popping into their head essentially the petty and the mundane i absolutely and, agree and <clears throat> i think it's honestly a bit of a mental illness that people are choosing to not focus on cool stuff because i think maybe it's part of the natural evolution of every individual human to find something that they're passionate about and i think if people don't find some sort of passion, they are more prone to becoming depressed and uh, essentially mentally ill. I so would agree with this... that. I think calling it a mental illness is perhaps a bit flamboyant of a description. I think that uh, to, to call it an illness is to assume that it isn't the default way of existing, but I think it is the default way of existing. I think most humans on this planet operate in a in a prison of their own mind right they're they're yes. so they're so involved with their thoughts and their their conceptual frameworks that they've grown up in and that they have in some level invented that they in some ways they don't have the perspective to know that they're even in the prison in the first place yes and, they have trouble distinguishing their thoughts from what reality is yes and, and what reality is, is a very, very tricky subject to talk about because uh, anybody who talks about it is speaking from their own thoughts. So how do you start to make the distinction between, okay, I'm having a thought. Is this reality? Should I buy into this thought? Um, I think you're right. And I think that we can have probably many hours of discussion about what reality is later into this podcast. But ultimately the, the core point here is that people have slightly skewed notions of what is important in their life. And I think people attribute false importance to things that they think are core to the experience of their reality. When in reality, the things that they think are important, they have invented them or in some way given them some some imagined importance to to skew their their balance of what they really value and i think ultimately it's a perspective problem it's not a problem of uh of some person's worldview being inherently worse or inherently 
uh, wrong. It's a problem of people being so attached to whatever their worldview is that they're unwilling or physically unable to consider the wider implications of what stepping outside of their conceptual reality might hold. Yes. I completely agree. Uh, so just, just for uh, perhaps a newbie to this kind of thinking, what would be a method of exiting one's current uh, perception of one's, I guess, operating system, the, the, the mind of an individual? How would one go about expanding their sense of what their reality is? I think there are many techniques, and I, I like to describe them as tools because I think there are there are many things that people use to address this problem. They range from wide aspects of meditation to psychedelics to uh, just periods of contemplation to simply meeting new people. I think can be one of the most valuable tools in order to escape your own conceptual uh, prison, in a way. And ultimately, because yeah. ultimately the problem is perspective. The problem is that you don't have all of the information, and we like to convince ourselves constantly that we do have all of the information, that we have our, our lives figured out, and ultimately yes, think, we don't. And I think that I being think open uh, to those new experiences is the most important aspect to what living an awakened life means, is that it's being open-minded enough to consider other perspectives and to consider escaping your your current perspective. Absolutely. I think that the majority of people are just kind of hardwired to uh, fully buy into a lot of the opinions that they hold, whether they're political, uh, sociological. Um, you, you look back in history, every war, uh, not every war, many wars are fought over essentially simple ideological disagreements. It's one party saying, I believe this, another party saying, I don't believe that. We are going to kill each other over it. When in reality, uh, if you just take a second to think about what the probability that one side is correct versus another side, uh, it doesn't make any sense. But for some reason, it's just a fundamental part of human psychology. If I have a belief, I'm going to fully buy into it, and I will go to war over this belief. I don't care if it's right, well, I, because I know it's right. Um, and essentially, yes, you're absolutely right that being open-minded is, uh, absolutely critical to, um, achieve a perspective outside of one's current way of thinking. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean just buying into every new idea that's thrown at you but it means that you're willing to uh, put yourself in the shoes of a person who does hold that new perspective. And you genuinely ask yourself, could I believe this? Could this be correct? Why and why not? Most people never put that much effort into the, their thoughts and their beliefs. Most people will get a thought and just fully agree with it. And I, I don't need to question it, whatever. It's my belief. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm XYZ religion. Yeah, it's just the way I was raised. Of course, that's the case. It's, it's a, a core, core part, part of how the human brain works. And it's this core aspect of 
the brain learning something when you were a child or even recently, if you've been introduced to a new perspective that you got attached to, your brain is very good at hardwiring your emotional and your, your just your thoughts in reaction to specific ideas to the point where if you were raised a certain way or if you've developed certain perspectives, your brain then learns those and it hardwires them into how your brain operates. Because if you, if you examine your, your decision-making process for even the most mundane things like what should I have for dinner tonight? And you deeply like try and gain perspective on your own thoughts and observe how your own brain works, you can observe this in action. And this is one of the things that I think meditation is so useful for is observing the, the thought patterns that your brain does automatically. It's, it's saying, wow, I'm hungry. That's an emotional or not necessarily emotional, but it's a, it's a visceral reaction that your body produces that your brain takes as an input. And that triggers a thought loop. The thought loop goes, wow, I'm hungry. What are my favorite foods? You go through your, your options. You figure what's the closest restaurant. You figure what is my budget that I want to spend today. And your brain's doing all of this automatically. It's, it's traversing the, the most well-trodden path in a sense of the decisions you've made previously and the decisions that you've hardwired yourself to do and being able to escape the the hardwired decision-making processes that your brain does is one of the most important skills that i think you can learn yes and that is also the key to expanding your capabilities to fall in love with reality essentially to dramatically increase your happiness because uh for example people with depression think a certain way uh the brain is an organ designed for survival 100 percent, nothing else truth is a thing that evolved as a result of uh survival uh and logic and and uh, ideology etc these are these are exactly what you said uh sets of neurons that fire in response to inputs in order to increase the likelihood that you'll survive and learning is a thing that humans are really good at. We learn one method of survival and then we stick with it. So people with depression, uh, they will learn a way of thinking about the, the world. Uh, obviously not everybody. Some people with depression just genuinely have some sort of chemical imbalance in their brain and that's fine. But the majority of people with depression are simply stuck in these these thought patterns where they view the world in a more negative lens. The input that they're getting from the world is exactly the same as a, a very happy person. Uh, the only difference is how they interpret it. So uh, meditation, psychedelics, essentially neuroplasticity, the ability of the brain to change itself is how you break free from those uh, harmful thought patterns and how you break into uh, extremely helpful and sustainable thought patterns, which is what I have done. I used to also have uh, a negative way of viewing the world and through a lot of work on myself, I now am one of the happiest people in the world, I think. I would agree with that. And while I can absolutely point to a time in my life, not that long ago, only a couple of years, I can point to a time in my life where I was miserable, where I was truly stuck in my own head and suffering because of the, the way that I had, the decisions that I had made and the way that I was observing and viewing the world. And it took 
it took a what I would describe as an awakening experience to really break free from that. And really, an awakening experience for me, it was brought on by psychedelics. But I think ultimately, psychedelics are are not a requirement for this. Really, what it means to be awakened is to 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 have the ability to gain perspective on your own mind. Because I've devoted my entire education. I'm studying for a master's in artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I've devoted my education to understanding the structure of intelligence. And I think if there's one thing that that educative process has taught me, it's that the brain is a machine designed by evolutionary processes. It's a machine that fabricates intelligence, but it's also that intelligence that is fabricated. It lives inside a conscious experience and your conscious experience is different from that intelligence. And I want to spend perhaps a, a dedicated episode exploring that relationship but I think it's fundamentally very useful to view these as two separate parts of your experience. It's your conscious experience, and then your intelligent experience is built on top of that. And often we get so caught up in the structure of our intelligent experience of the way that our biological mind, our biological intelligence has been programmed to work by millennia of evolution that we we lose touch with the conscious experience at the base of it. And this is fundamentally... Uh, has, this has many implications, this worldview in relating to AI and to the nature of what it even means to be conscious. And I, I want to really dive into those in the future. But for the sake of this introductory episode, I think that simply gaining the perspective that you are not your intelligence and that you are not your thoughts is the most useful perspective you can have when it comes to improving yourself and when it comes to finding a happier existence in life. Because ultimately what we have right now is experience. We have the present moment and separating that experience from the things that your intelligent mind adds onto it is one part of what I think true happiness really is. Absolutely. Um, when you say uh, that you're not the intelligence, you're not essentially the structure of your brain. Uh, I think that there's a lot to that statement. There is. Because, because then what are you? Um, this, that's the question that philosophers have been thinking about for the, that's, that's, that's the, essentially the primary uh, question in philosophy is what are you? What is anything? What is this thing that's going on here? What is the world? What is the universe? Um, and to say that you're not your intelligence is absolutely correct because you are partially your intelligence but you're also everything else that you are you are the space that makes you up you are the matter that makes you up um you are but we don't know what space is and we don't know what matter is because we are simply things within space and matter things composed of space and matter uh I know this so, is a topic that goes very deep, and I'm sure we will, again, spend dedicated episodes exploring these topics, because I know we both have strong perspectives and personal experiences to add to this. But I think ultimately, absolutely. I think ultimately, the most important part of discussing what are you, right? What is your identity? What is yourself? The most important part of that conversation is caring enough to ask in the first place, right? And I Absolutely. think this is the this is the fundamental problem with you said at the beginning of the episode that most people have a mental illness in the fact that they they suffer and they don't know how to escape it, right? And 
I think fundamentally the number one reason people suffer is because they haven't gained the perspective to even care about asking like, who am I really? And what does I mean? And I think the, the moment you start asking that question, you've already laid the groundwork for an intellectual and conceptual and just an, a journey of experience that will, that will ultimately make you far more satisfied than any conceptual prison might. I think that is a wonderful thesis for what this podcast is about. Uh, asking the question, what am I, in the hopes that the answer will make your life better. And I don't even necessarily think that it's the answers that make your life better. I think it's the process of discovery. Because ultimately, if I think about my own journey and the things that have brought me the most satisfaction and the things that I am the most passionate about, it's the intellectual journey and the, the pure contemplation that goes into thinking about these topics. And the interest in thinking about them is something that you can't manufacture. It's not something that you can force anyone to do. And this is the, I think the hardest part about sharing this work is that for most people who have this quote mental illness, it's impossible to communicate the importance of the question. And it almost sounds like a waste of time, right? It's not until you have been, it's not until you've had the experience of experiencing a perspective outside of your conceptual mind through some sort of, I would describe it as an awakening experience. It's not until you've had an experience like that, that you know that there is even anything to find. And I think that was the, the perspective that, that changed my life for the better. It was the moment that I realized there was more to explore than I had previously realized. Yes, I think, I think a good way of putting it would be going from survival mode to going into creative mode. <laughs> I think that's absolutely <laughs> a fantastic analogy. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm a very strong proponent of psychedelics purely as an introduction to this work. Because what a, what a psychedelic drug does in reasonable, responsible quantities is it becomes a very, very useful tool to gain that perspective. And regardless of what perspective you end up coming out with, the fact of the matter is it's very difficult to go into a psychedelic experience and come out with the exact same perspective you started with. Because what it does is it forces you to leave your conceptual mind for a little bit, and it helps you deconstruct what you've previously taken for granted and how your brain functions. And there are many reasons to take a psychedelic drug, but I think that is the most important and the most profound one. And I think it's one that everyone in their life should experience at least once. I agree. Um, <laughs> I think uh, this is maybe a topic that we can explore deeper in yes. another time yes. because yes. there there's many yes. things to say on the topic of psychedelics and how society interacts with them. But on some level, I think the reason that they are so uh, stigmatized, I mean, the the classic trope with like white suburban moms is, oh, doesn't that melt your brain? And I think the my answer to that would be yes, that's the point, <laughs> in a sense, but not in the sense that you think of, right? Because it, what it does yeah. is it increases your neuroplasticity. It, it melts away the the prison that you have found yourself caged in. And yes. while on some level that prison resolidifies when you're no longer high, the the experience of no longer being in it for a period of time is is useful in order to show you that there is more there. Absolutely. Uh, we can definitely delve into that topic extremely deep, the neuroplasticity related to psychedelics, uh, learning, memory, etc. It's all related. 
essentially everything that we're talking about is very, very deeply, intimately connected to everything else. Um, and I would argue that everything we're talking about is connected to everything in the in the universe because we simply are talking about the universe, the universe being everything that exists. And for every individual, the only thing that exists is their current bubble of perceptual awareness. I, I would absolutely agree. This is famously like Descartes' first meditation, right? It's the only thing that I can know is that I exist. And I, yes. think, I think of all of the philosophy that I've been exposed to, that's one of the more profound ones because when you, when you contemplate the experience of being alive deeply enough and you, you have enough of these perception changes to where you can, you can fully deconstruct the, the world your, your mind is creating around you, you realize that on some level, like, it's all, it's all constructed on some level by your mind. And the only thing that exists as like ground, ground level base reality truth is that you exist and everything else is fabricated on top of that. And if you don't really appreciate the significance of what it means to exist, then all of the conceptual frameworks you build on top of it will be inherently flawed. And I think this is fundamentally the problem with most people in life who take their life for granted and operate on autopilot and are unhappy yes. because of it is that they, they lost touch with, with what it means to, to be alive. Yes. They identify with the thought processes rather than the existence of the thought processes. Yes. This is the identification of, of consciousness prior to thought. And it's that identification that, is useful in redefining really who you are as an as a conscious entity because if you identify with your thoughts then you are in a sense a prisoner to what your thoughts are and there are many there are many systems that create flawed thoughts in that way that's what anxiety is right it's a thought that you cannot control that impacts your emotions negatively which if, is a product of evolution by the way yes because again, our, our brains are biological machines. They're, they're designed for a purpose, and the purpose is to keep your genes alive. It's not to keep you alive, it's to keep your genes alive. And this is the topic that, again, I want to talk about a different episode, because yes, I could talk about yes. that for an hour. Yes, I agree. Um, but yes, essentially, uh, we're talking about a return to the you prior to the formation of your identity what what does that experience look like essentially what what does a what does a baby experience when they, when they're just born and they don't know any language they don't have any thought systems other than the pre-programmed uh i'm hungry therefore i will cry uh what does that look and feel like and what what does that mean to you because this is a personal inquiry for every individual who contemplates this, is what does it mean for me? What does existing right now with no thoughts and no identity mean? What does it mean to exist? <laughs> and uh, that's also a topic that we will uh, dive into later, I believe. But um, any other thoughts, Reese? Yeah, I think the... The, the biggest question that we should answer for the rest of this short intro episode is why should anyone care, right? Because this is the problem, again, that with sharing this work is you, you could say, oh, you're trapped in a conceptual prison of your own thoughts. But the fact of the matter is 
most humans who live on this planet for most of the time are living in that conceptual prison and that's all they've known and that's their everyday life and some of them are happy like that like not everyone is miserable everyone suffers to some extent but some people are very happy in their conceptual prisons maybe they put a lot of work into concept into creating a, a prison with uh with a remodeled bathroom you know you got a little yes. got extra they, sparkle on it they and, installed a bidet <laughs> of course <laughs> but the question of why should i care about deconstructing my my conceptual reality why should i care about expanding my perspective why should i care about being open-minded to new ideas and and why should i care about having an awakening experience i think that's the the core question that we should tackle for the rest of the episode and i think the the core answer is that it's a it's a deeply satisfying thought experiment and yes if you move past the thought experiment, you can apply a lot of it to your own life. And ultimately, there are, regardless of how cushy your conceptual prison is, the fact of the matter is every human has experienced some form of suffering at some point. And the argument that I'm here to make is that every suffering, every bit of suffering that anyone has ever experienced has happened and has been experienced because of this prison. Absolutely. Um... I have thought about that question. Why, why would like a, a person who just identifies as, as a normal human, who just wants to get their food, get their money, get their whatever they need to survive, why, why should they care about uh, the nature of consciousness and the nature of the universe and the nature of the present moment? Why should they care? And honestly, I cannot come, with, come up with a single reason for that individual because uh this these topics will not serve that individual because that individual doesn't care about anything but their basic survival needs um i guess the only thing that i can say to somebody like that as to why they should do this is is essentially what you said is that it's ex extremely deeply satisfying once you've put in the work you've done the contemplation, you've done the meditation, and you have improved yourself through these processes, and you have gotten rid of your ego, your identity. Why, why would you tell an ego to get rid, rid of itself? Why would you tell a person to stop being a person? They, they're not going to do it. They don't care. They're, they're a person. They're not going to stop being a person. So it's essentially overriding the, those automatic mechanisms in every, embedded in everybody's neurology and saying, <laughs> stop being what you are, because uh, there's something better, but there's no way that you'll be able to understand it right now, because you haven't done these inquiries, you haven't asked these questions. I think that's absolutely right, and this, all of these topics go hand in hand with, with self-help in general, and self-improvement. I think there are many angles to self-improvement, whether it be going to the gym and working out, whether it be improving your social skills, and developing your your friendships and your relationships whether it be enhancing your own intellectual knowledge whether it be education all of these are important pillars of improving yourself but i think ultimately the most important pillar of improving yourself is having the ability to enhance your perspective to accept these new parts of yourself in the first place because in order to to improve yourself you have to fundamentally be willing to change and the problem is that with how your mind works, how it 
design it's designed to send you on autopilot and every moment that you spend on autopilot you are in a closed system that is not changing and you are not improving and i would make the argument that regardless of how much you actually think you grow from an experience regardless of even if it's the direction that you want to improve yourself i would argue that the very act of changing is itself valuable it's a form of growth and ultimately having these new experiences having new thoughts having new new contemplations and ultimately changing your mind in this way is a form of growth and growth is the most satisfying element of my life in particular i think that the experience of growing is is so core to the idea of improving yourself and to developing a positive mindset that creates your everyday happiness in the world that as a as a perspective to improve your life this is a core pillar of how that growth can happen and ultimately it's about perspective and enhancing those perspectives and being open-minded absolutely and it's not even necessarily just about the 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 relative practical growth that you experience when you develop this mindset if if you want to become uh, more fit lose weight whatever and you do it you go to the gym on a regular basis and you become a more healthy individual that's great but if that's all you get out of that experience is that maybe you're you're uh, more healthy more fit what's that going to do for the rest of your life maybe your relationship your relationships are still terrible. Maybe your financial situation is still terrible. Maybe you still can't make friends. What did growing in that very limited domain do for your overall well-being? It probably improved your life, but we're essentially trying to generalize that growth and improvement and open-mindedness to change in extraordinarily positive ways to every aspect of your life for very deep reasons, which we will get into later. If you fundamentally, your end goal becomes growth and you become, and you chase that growth as a target, then you, you experience the growth as itself as a satisfying experience, regardless of what your body looks like in the end, regardless of how smart you are in the end. If you are in a sense addicted to that growth, instead of addicted to the, the place the growth is taking you, then you have a much broader tool set to both be happier in your everyday experience and also to achieve those goals more seamlessly and in a broader range of areas in your life. So that's that's my advocation for why you should care about this kind of work is that it will grow you as a person and it will teach you how to grow in a better and broader way. Yes. And I think one of uh, the results of making growth the goal rather than the results of the growth is that you develop the capability to just kind of sit in this growth and be completely fulfilled and completely happy because you have no desire. Once you're in that state, you have eliminated your desire uh, you have eliminated your expectations for where you will end up because you know you're on a good path anyway. You don't have to worry about anything. You will just sit in this, in this pleasant state of continuous improvement and 
your life will naturally spiral upwards from there if you can achieve this. I absolutely agree. And I think the reason that it's so much easier to be fulfilled and happy in this mindset is because the minute you stop wishing you were somewhere else, it doesn't matter if you are overweight and unfit, but the moment you stop wishing that you were any other way, you realize that where you are right now is it's kind of okay. And that it's kind of okay. And that you, if you just, awesome. <laughs> yeah, if you just exist here now in the moment without wishing you were somewhere else, your experience of being here right now immediately gets better. Absolutely. And it is a bit of a paradox to say that you shouldn't chase uh, the results of the growth, but we're advocating that you should chase getting into this growth mindset. That is a bit of a paradox. There are many paradoxes involved in all of this stuff. There are many traps. Uh, many traps, many uh, logical paradoxes. Um, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And there are solutions and answers to these paradoxes. Many of them are nonverbal. Many of them you have to directly experience because uh, experience is prior to logic. That's essentially why these paradoxes exist is because uh, you have experience. The brain evolved from this nothingness and it's trying to make sense of everything, but maybe everything isn't logical. Maybe logic is just the product of evolution. Uh, so this is kind of an important thing to keep in mind as we discuss uh, all of this stuff in uh, future episodes, I suppose. Yeah, and I I'm really glad we're making this podcast purely as a learning exercise for me and also as a, a tool for me to get better at communicating these things. Because if, there if there's one way that I want to change the world in my lifetime and one way that I want to contribute to society... It's introducing people to the, the simple idea that there is more to their life than meets the eye, in a sense. I feel like lots of Western society looks at Eastern traditions, Buddhism, and uh, people who live in the Tibetan mountains, and Taoism, and China, and all of these like Eastern philosophies that, that preach these core ideas of, of living in the moment, of letting go of desire, of existing in, in a satisfied and peaceful state, and... You, people make fun of uh, the Tibetan monks sitting on a mountain their entire lives meditating, but ultimately I think those are some of the happiest people to exist. And Absolutely, they definitely are the happiest people, and that's yeah. for a reason. And it's I, not by accident that they're extremely happy. And I don't think it's useful to, to take people who exist in the framework of Western society and point them to that as an end goal and say, look what your life could be, because they're going to look at that and go, what the hell is he doing? He's wasting his life. But the reality, I think, is the opposite. I think you're the one wasting your life. And you just are so trapped in your conceptual mind that you, you don't realize it yet. And again, the goal is not to turn everyone into a Zen master on the top of a mountain. The goal is to, to take wherever you are in life. Maybe it's in Western society. And I think I still plan on fully participating in Western society. I think it has a lot of benefits. But if you can examine the framework of your society and the framework of your own mind on a deeper level you can release the parts that are trapping you and you can release the parts that you don't like because <laughs> the reality of being alive is that most of it's in your head or that all of it's in your head. <laughs> and so that's my argument for why people should care about this work is that 
if you take it seriously and even if you don't take it seriously if you just gain the perspective in order to foster a genuine curiosity about a lot of these questions we talk about then i think it has a genuinely interesting twist to it and it will put a spin on your life that makes you see things in a new way yes radical open-mindedness is a wonderful trait to have in in these in these uh explorations absolutely because just for the simple fact that it will show you things that you thought were not possible and it it yes that, that that is all um excellent well i think that encapsulates uh our question here do you have any final thoughts to add i think this is a pretty good stopping point for our first episode i agree i think this is a good stopping point um all right so we covered a lot of topics we did uh but the, the plan is to cover these topics in greater detail much more specifically in later episodes uh and this was just kind of a general outline of of, uh why we are doing this podcast which is uh the goal is to increase the quality of people's lives and to practice our own understanding of reality because it is a practice it's a thing that you actively do and i think that is the last thing i want to say (laughs) excellent well i look forward to having many more of these conversations i i think that as you said, future ones will be more targeted. I think this first one we tried to we tried to hit a lot of things at once to sort of capture what this podcast is is really going to be and our vision for it. But in the future, we'll we'll probably have some more targeted things to say, and we can dive deeper into a lot of these very interesting topics. So, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Quinn. And thank you as well, Reese. It's always a pleasure. Be sure to check us out at awakenlifepod.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast apps. We'll be back next week.